Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 25 of Rookie Mistakes. It is official. It has been six months since I've started this podcast, putting out an episode on a Monday every single week. I believe I've only missed one Monday where I didn't put the episode out, so I've been pretty consistent. It'll be cool to see how many episodes I can get to before that streak ends. Hopefully, we can get to 100. We're a quarter of the way there, so hopefully we'll get there. It's really hard doing this podcast. I don't know how I'm going to get to 100, honestly, because I'm already at 25, and I, I have plenty of other things to talk about for other episodes. I'm not worried about that yet. We will see. A lot has happened, though, this last week. I'm still recovering from Kyoto. I think I got five hours of sleep in two of the days that I was there, so that really just wrecked me, and I'm trying to catch back up. So I don't know if this episode's going to be super long or anything. It already is almost 10 on on a Monday as per usual. At least I'm consistently a procrastinator, right? That's that's something to be proud of. At least I'm not sporadic with my procrastination. At least I can be consistent. At least I'm reliable, old reliable over here with waiting until the last minute to do these episodes. Before I get into Kyoto, there are a few other things I would like to touch on. One of them that I thought was interesting this last week and was a nice little robbery. This happened yesterday, actually, in the States. Pretty bummed out because this boxing fight that happened yesterday was actually in the Staples Center. So if I was back in California, there was a chance that I could have gone to it if the tickets weren't ridiculously priced. I'm, I'd imagine they were, but that would have been cool to go see this fight. It was between... Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, for those that don't know, they're two heavyweight fighters and they're considered the top heavyweights with Anthony Joshua in the world. Tyson Fury was robbed of a victory. The fight ended in a draw. That's always the unfortunate thing about boxing is it's so corrupt that the A side, which is the fighter who draws the most money, who brings in the most money, there's always incentives for that fighter to win because they don't want him to lose, right? Because as he fights more and more, he can draw more and more and more money because, you know, this mystique around him for continuing to win and his name just builds and builds. But when you come off of a loss, it's a lot harder to get people interested in your fights sometimes. So there's always the incentive for that fighter to win so that means that usually the judging scorecards will be a little bit you know a little bit shady and then also the promotion slash the boxing commission usually wants that a-side fighter to win so in this case Deontay Wilder was the fighter who was considered the a-side which is weird because Tyson Fury himself is a very entertaining fighter and he's a huge draw but Tyson Fury just straight up got robbed of his fight. He had a great fight. He outboxed Deontay the entire fight, and he only made two mistakes, unfortunately, which were pretty big mistakes where Deontay was able to knock Tyson down in the ninth and 12th round, I believe. I had a funny feeling going into the 12th round because I knew Tyson Fury was heavily favored to win this fight, like in reality, right? Because he was doing so well. And then freaking Deontay just comes with this right hand that hits Tyson and then as Tyson's falling he gets hit with the left hook by Deontay and I don't even know how Tyson Fury was able to get up from that it looked like he was dead on the canvas of the boxing ring barely got up he got up with one second left on the 10 count and was able to weather the storm and actually ended up winning 
he didn't win the round obviously but he like was the one pushing the envelope and the one the aggressor in that round after he got the knockdown like to end the fight so usually in boxing and the same is true in mma when you get a knockdown that automatically makes it a 10-8 round especially in boxing that's the case but if you knock someone down and then the rest of the the round the other person who got knocked down is convincingly or not even convincingly but like winning the round and is the aggressor and is landing the punches like the significant punches like i feel like it should be a 10-9 round but that doesn't seem to work that way and that happened in both the ninth and 12th rounds tyson ended up being the aggressor and the one like putting pressure on deontay in those rounds after deontay got the knockdown on him but yes tyson got robbed really unfortunate i didn't have too much invested emotionally because i'm not a huge fan of either of these fighters but i did want tyson to win so that was just something you know i had i had to get it off my chest man so we're done with that as i said got back from kyoto on thursday i think i have what 30 days left now yeah today's officially 30 days left before i go back to california and the this this whole journey comes to an end that's crazy to think it feels like it's been way longer than 10 months looking back on where i started in london that just feels so long ago it's crazy to think about i was thinking about that walking back home today and i'm really sad to be leaving japan because everything's starting to fall into place you start to get your bearings you start to figure out where everything is that you would need you find the stores you like you find the restaurants you like, you fall into your patterns, right? And things become a lot easier, but I'm still going to have to be leaving in a month. I wish I could stay longer because I really do like Japan. There is just something different about this place that I really love. And I had the feeling that this was going to be the case before I came because I knew just based on my personality that I felt like I would just do better in Japan just being there because the whole the culture I think is more similar to my personality type and just kind of the way I am that ended up being the case the culture here it's just so different than American culture I don't even think this I don't even know if this is fair to say because it is like the stereotypical what people think of American culture but it is a lot more loud it's a lot more obnoxious it's a lot more flashy just words like that to describe american culture and people and i'm not saying everyone's like that but you see that a lot more and you look at our our media and just hollywood in general and then you look at japan it's just so much more reserved as a culture people aren't loud people are pretty chill it's just a very relaxed environment people are really respectful and i really like that it's very relaxing to be in japan and i must say i really have enjoyed eating the food here i'm surprised because i decided last week that japan or japanese cuisine i should say is my favorite cuisine now i've always enjoyed italian food the most and then thai food but i must say after being in thailand and then now being in japan those kind of have flip-flopped with me thai food i'm kind of over now which is hilarious to me because of how much i loved it in the u.s and now going to thailand it's like it kind of i'm kind of over it and then japanese food a lot of people love sushi in the states especially that seems to be people's favorite foods a lot of the time and i have liked sushi myself i have don't like the raw stuff but i'll eat like the rolls and all of those things i was never super in love with Japanese food before like living in California growing up and now being here it's just so delicious every single thing that you can get here is amazing and I think that is what's awesome about Japan is that 
when I think of a place like Italy, for example, amazing food, can't complain, right? But you do get sick of eating pizza and pasta every day. And I know they do have variations on pasta and pizza, but it does get old. Whereas in Japan, there's so many different types of dishes that they have to where I never have gotten sick of eating anything. And even then at the same time, I could eat some of these dishes, like these types of food. I could eat it literally every single day and never get sick of it. It's so good. Yakiniku, which is just the word for barbecue. It's Japanese barbecue. Probably my new favorite thing. I think that's what's especially cool about Japan and Korea and Europe has this as well, but the nice thing about Japan and Korea with eating, right? Eating and dining with friends, family, that's more of an experience where you're you're kind of committed to an, a two to four hour experience, right? Dining out or eating with people. What's nice though about Japan and Korea is that you get that same two to four hour thing and that emphasis on the experience, but you're also cooking your own food because of the the barbecue aspect of it, which I like to do, I must say. I could easily eat yakiniku every single day for the rest of my life and I would be a happy camper. Just nice fresh cuts of beef. That's another thing about Japanese food is the quality is just so much better than the U.S., the rice. I don't know if I've mentioned this already on a previous episode. I think I probably have, but I'll mention it again. The rice is so much better than it is in the States. I like to compare Italian pasta to pasta in the US. Like when you go to Italy and you have pasta, it's just so much better than the pasta in the US. And you just, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just the quality, the way you feel after eating it, the, the texture just way better in Italy. And it's the same thing with rice in Japan. The rice you get, it's just on a whole different level. You cannot go wrong really anywhere I feel like so far that I've been. You can't really go wrong. Like there's obviously been places with rice that's been less quality than others, but it's still a lot better than it is in the US, man. Especially trying to make it at home, you know, growing up having dinners with the fam bam and making white rice and it being just not the same and not good at all. It is just I can't I can't get over it. It's so good. It's so good. You got yakiniku, you got tonkatsu, ramen, there's udon, there's sushi if you like that. You can also get pretty good Korean cuisine here as well, which I really enjoy. And then it's all just a lot. You just feel great after eating it, which is the best part. So yes, I will be missing my time in Japan. I have started a new book series. Wanted to touch on this really fast. I've been devouring these books. It's the same author of the series I just finished previously, Brandon Sanderson. It's called The Stormlight Archive. And for anyone that's interested in fantasy books, this is up there as one of the top series for fantasy. I'm on the second book now. The takeaway from the first book, I must say, all I could think about was leadership, which is weird because you never really think to take away lessons from a fantasy book that can be applied to life. But that first book is just peppered with great examples of what it means to be a leader, not only from one character, but from two or three, I would say. It's just a really great book on leadership, which is hilarious to me and might actually be one of the best books I personally have read on leadership. And it's not like 
I've read a ton of books on leadership or anything, so I don't have much to compare it to. But I just was amazed at how just great lessons there were in this book. It's called The Way of Kings. So that's kind of a cool little title, right, as far as leadership goes. But it's just a fantasy book. It's not like it's supposed to be about leadership or anything, but it ends up having a lot of great stuff on leadership. So that's definitely something... If you're looking for a series, check that out. I think it has changed my perspective personally on a lot of things, not even just leadership, but just a lot of different aspects of life that I think it will help me going forward. And I don't like, once again, it's a fantasy book, right? And you wouldn't think that would be the case. And I don't even know if like he has any intention, right? Does an author have any intentions, especially a fantasy author? Does he have any intentions of when he's writing a book to, or she's writing a book to have these life lessons that can be, you know, drawn upon and like used and applied to your own life. Don't really know if that's the case. I definitely think as well that I'll be, if I have a little, little munchkins one day, God forbid, this will be a good book for them to read when they're 12 to 13, if they can handle this reading comprehension level. I don't know. Maybe it'll be too much. It is a 1200 pages of this book. So maybe they'll be too young for it at that point, but it is a great book. I think if you're out there right now, if you're a kid, you know, maybe you have a kids right now. If your kids like fantasy books and they're old enough to read something like this, it's de- it's like appropriate. There's nothing bad in it or anything like that. There's no like sexual content or anything. There's no bad words. So check it out. It's the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. Really great book, I think, to read. And it the, the character is someone that you can really look up to and I think is a good example for what it means to be a leader check that out as far as kyoto itself i ended up being there with my girlfriend for three full days and it was fun it was hectic because we just had to work around her work schedule and then because of that i think like i said we were behind once again momentum i've talked about this in episode go back and listen to that episode momentum is the the flow of life the flow of life the flow of life is momentum that sounds so woo 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 juju but we got to our airbnb really late the first night right and then it's like you wake up early the next day to try and go out and see everything and then you're out late and then you just rinse and repeat right and so you're never really getting enough sleep and you're trying to maximize your time there and see everything that you need to see so i don't think i'm going to do a specific guide for kyoto because I wasn't there enough days to where I feel like I could give enough information to make one whole episode. Kyoto is a place you definitely want to check out if you are in Japan because Kyoto is a gorgeous city. Some of the things that you can see there are absolutely breathtaking and they're things that you're not going to get to experience in Tokyo because Tokyo doesn't have things like that. If you're thinking Instagram, if you're thinking stunning photos, that is where you would want to go is Kyoto, not Tokyo. That's where you can get some really like the Instagram worthy photos, I should say, like the ones that everyone, you know, the ones that everyone goes to, like when you go to a country and you think, oh, this is the place everyone goes to get that photo. And I have to check that off my list. Kyoto is the place to go for those types of photos. Three days definitely was enough to see everything that I wanted to see. Let me pull up my notes really quickly to go over. Did I even write down? I didn't even write down. That's pretty bad. I didn't even write down what I saw. So I should probably pull up. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull up Google Trips. Once again, if you don't have this app and you're traveling somewhere, you need to download this app, Google Trips, 
because it is a lifesaver of an app. So, okay, things to do. Let's see. All right, so one of the main things in Kyoto, Arushiyama, this is the bamboo forest. If you've ever seen photos of it, people will take a photo. They'll be on this pathway and they'll just take a photo and surrounding them on both sides are these bamboo trees, okay? And it's extremely crowded, as you could imagine. It's really hard to get a photo without other people in it unless you are able to go there early in the morning or late at night. I think that's another thing that's hard about Kyoto is that when you're going to a place where there are so many great photo opportunities, that can add another level of stress to your trip because if you want to maximize your opportunities to get like the best photos, sometimes that means going at specific times, whether that's super early in the morning or going somewhere for sunset to get that gorgeous red and orange and yellow backdrop of the sky with whatever you're taking a photo of. So because of that, that can either lead to less sleep, right? Because you're either waking up earlier or you're out longer. And then you have to work around planning around all of that. So that was kind of stressful being in Kyoto. I would say that Arashiyama wasn't really worth it in my opinion. I really do think it's just a place where you go to take a photo. It's an Instagram photo opportunity and that's really it. I wasn't really impressed that much with the bamboo forest itself. I'm looking up right now. It says there's monkeys here on this Google Trips, but I didn't see any monkeys. So maybe there's monkeys that I missed out on. Who knows? Another one of the places we went, this place was stunning. I loved it. I think this is the one place you have to go if you're going to Kyoto, especially if you're going around this time or even if you're going, I think, in March. March, April, May, around that time. It's called Kiyomuzu Dera. And this is a temple with gorgeous views. This is where you could see all the different colors of the, the trees, the reds and the oranges and the yellows. You get to see that as you're over, overlooking the rest of Kyoto. So you get the all those colors in. And then if you go for like a sunset, it's just absolutely gorgeous. So that's a cool place to check out. We went there for sunset. So we got to do that, which was nice. The other big place people go which is where we went as well. It's called Kinkaku-ji. Kinkaku-ji? Kinkaku-ji. This is called the Golden Temple. It's just a huge body of water, and there's a temple that is gold-colored. That's another like quick Instagram photo. Other than that, it wasn't anything special. There are a bunch of stands where you can get food, and there are a great amount of stores for getting different souvenirs they have a place where you can get the charms japanese temples one of the things you can get at most of these places they'll they'll sell charms and that's good luck right it's good luck charms or like one specifically for school or traffic safety or traveling they have ones for pregnancy those are the most popular ones they have love charms those are the ones for finding a boyfriend or a girlfriend stuff like that so those are cool as little souvenirs they're really cheap which is nice because you can get a lot of them then especially if you want to buy them for your friends or family i actually have eight of them i believe right now yeah i have eight charms so i bought six of them in kyoto and then i already had two from a different temple in tokyo so yeah you can get you can go pretty crazy and they have a bunch of different colored ones which are pretty cool i recommend getting charms from kinkakuju kinka i can't even pronounce this word this is another problem I've realized too with me is that because I'm so sleep deprived and I go to bed late every single night, basically, I feel like I slur my words. That's something I'm starting to notice more and more as I've been doing these podcasts. It's pretty brutal. Got to get better at that. But 
at Kinka Kuji, the Golden Temple, I should just call it. At the Golden Temple, I would get charms there because they were some of the nicer charms, and I liked the colors there and the designs. Those one, those were the best that I felt were available from all the places I went. The next big place that I went, or we went, I should say, Fushimi Inari Taisha, and this is the other really, really popular Instagram-worthy photo that I'm sure you'll see all over Instagram when people go to Japan. It's the orange columns. It's like these little gates. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's a shrine once again, or a temple, but surrounding like everywhere at this temple, there's these orange gates with Japanese writing on them, and it's just one after the other after the other, and they go all over the grounds of the shrine. So that is a huge photo opportunity, and once again, it's packed, so it's very hard to get a photo without other people in it unless you're going super early in the morning or late at night, but why would you ever want to go at night? Because it's not going to be easy to take a photo then. Apparently also there's a mountain that you can climb at this shrine. We started to climb the mountain and about halfway up we're like why are we even doing this? I think we probably climbed for 30 minutes and then at that point we had another 30 minutes to go still. So there was a view that we were that we got to see at the halfway point, but it wasn't anything special, especially with the overcast sky outside, so you couldn't really see the rest of the city. I don't personally recommend that unless you're I guess mentally prepared for it. There are also a lot of stores as you go up and climb the mountain, so there are opportunities to get water or drinks, snacks. Also kind of weird people actually live up there. There's houses up there. I thought that was awful. I also feel really bad for the people that have to work in those shops because think, they have to climb the stupid stairs up to these shops, especially as you go higher and higher up. These people have to climb up to get there and they're not young by any means. Most of the people that are working in these places are older people. So I just, I don't know, man, kudos to them, I guess, because I could not do that every single day. One other place we went... Higashiyama Jishoji. This place was so-so. Once again, another temple and nothing special really. I personally just don't really like temples. Not because I have anything against religion or anything, but I think when you compare Europe to Asia, it's just so much more appealing for me personally, seeing stuff in Europe, whether that's architecture or going to museums and things like that. I just think personally, I'm more of a museum person rather than going to temples and shrines. They all kind of look the same, unless it's a place like Kiyomuzu Dera. The Golden Temple, like pretty unique as well. That one was not bad. You can also see a lot of the red leaves, the color, the leaves changing color is red, orange, yellow. So that's a pretty cool place. Other than that, we didn't go anywhere else. I went myself the last day, and this I think is why I'm having such a struggle with my sleep schedule. I went on our last day in Kyoto. I woke up at 4.45 in the morning after getting three hours of sleep. I woke up to go get a photo of one of the shrines. This is also one of the other famous photos that you'll see on Instagram. It's actually one of the streets to the uh, Kiyomuzu Dera temple. This temple, this Kiyomuzu Dera temple, like as you're walking up to it, you go through all these different streets and there's all these different shops. I think that's one of the highlights as well to Kyoto. There's all these different shops and places where you could get souvenirs or you could get really good green tea or mochi, other things like that. That's what Kyoto is most famous for is green tea. You could 
walk through all these shops, going through these streets. So once again, there's hundreds of people walking through these streets. So to get this photo of this really traditional, nice street with the Japanese buildings on both sides of it, and then it's like looking at the shrine and people will usually do that for sunset or for sunrise. It's really hard to get that photo without having other people in it. So I woke up to take a train and then a bus back to that area and walk up the little hills to get to this photo destination so that I could get a photo of it without any other person in it with the uh, sunrise. And I must say the sunrise was pretty disappointing. It just didn't really work out with where the sun was rising. And so you couldn't really see any different colors other than blue with the sunrise, which I'm pretty bummed out about. I literally waited in my bed. Like when I woke up with this alarm, I was thinking to myself for probably 10 minutes, I was thinking, Connor, do you really want to go do this right now get this photo and deal with all this like drama right because i was running off of three hours of sleep and i was just exhausted and i was like is this really worth it do you want to do it and then i just told myself you might not ever come to japan again and you might not ever get this opportunity to get this photo so just do it and suck it up and you can sleep you know the next day or whatever and i think that's a good general rule of thumb i think that's good advice for anyone that's traveling always try and keep the perspective of I might not ever get the opportunity to be here again so I should do something that I want to do because you get tired right you get sick something could happen maybe you've done a million things that day right maybe you're wondering should I really do this or should I be saving money because I have to worry about my money in order for my travels to go as far as I want them to go if it's something you want to do and it's something you've thought about even before you've started traveling, it's something you've talked about before, do it regardless of the money or the effort it's going to take or how how you're feeling physically or mentally or emotionally, just freaking do it because I think that is worth it. Most of the time, it will end up being worth it. And even if it isn't worth it, and I think that was the case for me personally, I could have I could have gone with the extra hours of sleep instead of waking up to go get this photo because the colors just didn't end up being the greatest. And I still have to mess around with the photo and Lightroom to see if I can bring out some colors. But even if it's not worth it, the fact that you did it, it's a nice little confidence booster I think, or it's a good thing to think about. It's a good perspective to have like, oh, I'm capable of doing this, right? I'm capable of like doing the tougher decision. Just think of it as a win that you you took the the tougher path in that moment, right? In that situation. And that's something that I think people don't give themselves enough credit for. I know myself, I don't give myself enough credit for, but that's how you should think about the experience, even if it wasn't worth it. Like, oh, I did this. It was harder. I still went for it. It didn't work out, but at least I'm not going to regret that I didn't do it. So just a quick little perspective. But yes, this is this photo, this photo that I got. I don't even know what the shrine is called. I'm trying to find it right now. I don't even know what the shrine is called that you're like looking at, which is not good. Okay, I found it. So when you're walking to... Kiyomuzu Dera, as I mentioned. When you look behind you, there's going to be this shrine called Toji. There's going to be this temple called the Toji Temple, and that is what you're taking a photo of essentially from this street. Just type in Toji Temple Street on Google and go to images, and it's the first photo. That's essentially like one of the most famous photos or most, I guess, Instagram, most Instagrammable photos, we'll say, of Kyoto is that photo right there. And so that 
I was trying to get without people in it. And it's just not possible unless you're going for sunrise or for sunset or like, probably not even sunset. Like realistically, yeah, you're going to have to go for sunrise most likely if you want to get it without people in it. So that's what I did. And there were eight other people, which was kind of funny. That's the most I've ever been around for a photo opportunity. There are eight other people that wanted that were there to get the photo for sunrise as well. It was kind of sad for me because two of the people, no, I should say three of the people, three of the people had insanely expensive cameras and lenses and I was just looking at them. They also had uh, tripods and I was just looking at them like, oh my God, I wish that was me because this photo would be so much better if I had their their gear that they had. But you know what? What are you going to do? You got to work with what you got, right? So that is the landmarks. One other thing I should mention, if I didn't mention, I think... The one other place we went to was the Yasaka Shrine, and that one's really quick. That's the nice thing as well about going to these shrines. For the most part, they're going to be 30-minute experiences where you're just going to walk around really fast, and you're going to see it, and then you're going to be done. That's why I don't really recommend going to all the shrines because it's not – I mean, it is 30 minutes, but is it really worth wasting the time there? So that's why the ones I mentioned that I went to, those are like the main ones that you're going to want to go to. So trust me on those trust me as far as the food goes one of the things that is starting to bother me more and more is the most famous places mentioned in a in a country places that you have to go to in my experience a lot of the time they're not that special and you can find different places that are much better than those famous restaurants and i'm doing air quotes you can't see them but i'm doing air quotes as i'm talking right now one of these places is for ramen in kyoto it's called Ipudo ramen and if you look up any travel guide to kyoto and look at food this place is probably going to come up probably 70 percent of the time and I must say, it was awful. It was really bad ramen. It's a tourist trap. There was, of course, a line outside for all these tourists wanting to go there. But I can promise you, I've had ramen from other places. Haven't had a ton of ramen, but I've had it from other places. And this ramen, and I asked my girlfriend as well, she said that ramen was bad. It's very, I thought it was average. I said it was average personally, right? So I'm kind of a nice guy, okay? But she said it was worse than average. She said it was just bad. So she's from Japan, you know, she kind of knows. Trust her on that. It does have the most reviews of any restaurant, I think, in Kyoto. It's, you know, in the thousand range. It's got good reviews, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't anything special. So I think skip that. And if you want ramen, figure out a different place to go. I can't recommend any place. What I will say, though, is after our poor ramen experience at this Ipudo Ramen, and that's I-P-P-U-D-O for anyone that wants to look it up, it's also a chain. That's another thing to note. Chain restaurants, they have these ones and they have this ramen place in Tokyo as well. Chain restaurants probably should stay away from them most of the time as far as places if you're trying to have like really good meals. One place we did find with tonkatsu, and tonkatsu specifically is think of fried pork. It's like chicken parmesan. It's like that, but with pork as far as the meat goes. And then you get a side of rice and they have tonkatsu sauce and then you get a bed of lettuce. And it's just, it's just heavenly. I love it. There is a place for tonkatsu right next to this Ipudo ramen place in the center area of Kyoto. It's called Katsukura Shijo Higashinotuan. Wow. I got that all out. That's good. So K-A-T-S-U-K-U-R-A, and then 
S-H-I-J-O. Just type that and then Tonkatsu, which is T-O-N-K-A-T-S-U. So if you want Tonkatsu in Kyoto, that place is heavenly. You can go there. Another place I'd recommend, if you want udon, this place is called Omen, O-M-E-N, or Omen, however you pronounce it. This place has great udon if you would like to experience that. It's a quick, easy meal. There's one near the shrine, actually. So that's really convenient by the Kiyomuzudera temple. I don't know why I keep interchanging temple and shrine. Is it the same thing or is it different? I don't know. But the temple, the Kiyomuzudera temple, Pruvu as well. There's also another one in Kyoto, an almond one. I think there's actually three. There's three omens 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 i should say omens there's actually three omens in kyoto so you can go to that one near the temple or the two others that are more in the city center the last place that i'm going to recommend to you is a yakiniku place this so far is the best yakiniku i've had in all of japan and i have eaten yakiniku the most out of any other type of food my entire time here so i have a great i think variety of places that i've been so i know what's good and what isn't and this place is amazing the portions are a great size it is more expensive but it's not unbearable so it is a nicer meal that you're gonna have it's called yakiniku dining and then kino k-i-n-o-e it's also a little bit of a walk away from the city center but i promise you it's worth it best meal I've had the quality is amazing. The portions, as I said, it's expensive, but not too expensive. It's definitely still reasonable for like not spending, you know, hundreds of dollars on a yakiniku place and on really expensive meats. The meats we ordered were probably in the seven to eight dollar range per dish. So not anything crazy, but still amazing quality. I think we paid, what did we pay? $75, I think, for the both of us. And we easily both got full bellies and it was delicious. I guess one more place I should mention because it's one of the more popular places that you can go. This is where you're going to want to go to get a green tea parfait. This is the most famous green tea store, I should say, in Kyoto. It's called Tsujiri. Totally butchered that, but it's T-S-U-J-I-R-I green tea main store what this place is on the first floor you can buy all of the different green tea products they have whether that's powdered teas they have the tea leaves i believe they have green tea ice cream sandwiches you can get they have green tea ice cream and then on the second and third floors is an actual cafe where you can just go and sit and then they have all the different selections of parfaits that you can get or single scoops of green tea ice cream they have green tea that you can get with mochi as a side dish just all these different you know like common i guess japanese desserts so what the parfait is is green tea ice cream with vanilla ice cream with green tea mochi and regular mochi with red bean paste and then green tea whipped cream and then they also have green tea jello on the bottom of it and so that's the parfait they're very common throughout kyoto you can find them everywhere but this is the place that's the most famous for it so we got the parfait and it was really good the ice cream i must say was the best green tea ice cream i've ever had in my life the ice cream as well as the like the green tea ice cream as well as the vanilla ice cream was amazing 
so, so delicious. I don't really have anything much else to say about Kyoto. Like I said, this isn't really a travel guide to Kyoto, just my thoughts on the experience and hope hopefully you can glean some good information from my experience there so you can make your trip as fun and stress-free as possible. I think this is going to be the end of the episode. Thank you all for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review. If you can, that would be amazing. If you have any questions, once again, about Kyoto specifically or anything else, email me at conjhancock at gmail.com or just message me on my Instagram, conjhancock. Once again, thank you all for listening. Hope everyone has a wonderful week. It's going to be Christmas pretty soon too. Three weeks until Christmas. My God, time flies. I'm pretty excited to be here for Christmas as well because everywhere you go here, which is weird because they don't really celebrate Christmas that much in Japan because, you know, a lot of Japan's Buddhists, so they don't really believe in Christmas. They just kind of do it as a because it's Christmas and it's a thing, right? But everywhere you go, there's Christmas lights everywhere. So it's pretty cool. So that should be fun. See you guys next week.